As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Sales Babble Podcast, episode 251, Seven Stories Every Salesperson Must Tell, an interview with author Mike Adams. Welcome to Sales Babble, the podcast that shares selling secrets for non-sellers. And now your host, Pat Hello, Helmers. Hello, Sales Babblers. This is Pat Helmers. And if you're like me, you really want to connect and build rapport with people. And one of the best ways of doing that is by sharing a story. That's why we brought on Mike Adams. Mike is the author of the book, Seven Stories Every Salesperson Must Tell. And in that book, he gives seven different types of stories that you need to like have in your back pocket. And when the appropriate time comes, you whip those stories out. And by taking Mike's advice, you can have a fistful of tales that's going to earn new business for you. So, with no further ado, let's get to it. Welcome, Mike. You're ready to babble? I'm ready, Pat. Let's go. Mike, I'm on your website right now here. It's called my7stories.com, and it says that every salesperson must tell seven stories. Is that right? Yes. Yes, there are seven types of stories that salespeople must know about. And if they do know about them, they're going to have a lot more fun and a lot more success with their selling. And it looks like it's just not just a website. You've got a, you've got a book out, right? I do, and the book's called Seven Stories Every Salesperson Must Tell, just to be consistent. <laughs> and and I, the reason I brought you on the podcast here is I was thinking, well, maybe you could share some of these, these, these story types with us. Um, because that's, I'd love to. That's what my audience is all about. My audience is all about trying to like get better at selling. Yeah, well, you, your podcast is called Babble, a sales babble, and, um, and that's an interesting word because – Around every business, every company, there is babble. There are stories. There are I call them low-grade stories that go that your staff tell each other and that your clients tell about you and your partners and your business partners. But what I'm talking about when I talk about a sales story <clears throat> is something that rises above the babble, something that's really memorable and does work for you. You know, it, it works for you in the in the, in your market and helps you sell. <clears throat> so it's um, it's a it's a true story that you purposefully tell. I love that you're saying this because you're really getting it. When when I when I coined this this notion, sales babble. When my my wife and I, Denise and I, came up with this idea that I felt that there's just an awful lot of like blather and babble about selling mm. that's baloney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's noise. It's noise, really. It's just noise. <laughs> you know, like it's 
it's sleazy and it's hard <laughs> and you got to be assertive and aggressive and pushy and and that's and yeah. none of that stuff's true. And no, it's to... not true and and it, and it works against you actually. It works against you if you if you don't. So so that's really the idea. So I I, I actually I graduated as an engineer, Pat. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start the first story type, which is personal story. Why why do you do what you do? And I studied. I grew up in Tasmania, which is an island to the south of Australia, and I'm talking to your listeners now from Melbourne in Australia, where it is summer. By the way, I, I gather you're freezing, Pat. Right? Yes, it's. Well, uh, not quite. Not quite freezing, but it's. No, cold. but we're we're working on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I studied electrical engineering and I got the dream job out of university if you're an adventurer. So my job was to go and work on oil, oil rigs all over the world. I worked in China in the 1980s when everyone was wearing a military uniform and riding a bicycle. I was there and um, that, com- that country's changed a bit. And, and I worked in Indonesia and Malaysia throughout Asia. And then I got this uh, fateful call from my boss. He said, Mike, we have this wonderful career opportunity. I don't know about you, Pat. If you've worked in big corporations, do you know that career opportunity means job nobody else wants, right? <laughs> but but he kind of tricked me. He said, we want you to go to Norway. And I'm thinking, ooh, that sounds good. Is this is a promotion? And, we want you, and I, want you to be a, I want you to be a salesperson. I'm like, no, no, I, I don't. And um, went home and she said, no, I want to go to Norway. That sounds great. So, so, so we did. So. And, Pat, I sold the biggest deal in our division in my rookie year as a salesperson by complete accident, by just total luck. And, and I tell that story in my book. I tell that story about how lucky I was. And, and I'm pretty convinced that if I hadn't had that luck, I, um, I wouldn't be a salesperson. I would have gone back to engineering. But, but this is what happens. You know, you, you have a big success and, and what do you do? You think you're good. <laughs> you, think, you think you got you the think, secret you know, sauce. I, right. I got this. I got this rap. This is easy, right? And um, but I wasn't good at all. I, I was I was pretty average, below average, probably. But I was working for a good company. This was Schlumberger, and they they provided really good training and, and extensive training. And I ended up really enjoying it. And I ended up becoming a sales manager. I ran a sales team in Russia all throughout the former Soviet Union. This is in the early 2000s. So anyway, I switched, I swapped industry. And then, and then when you do that, you, you're confronted with this interesting situation, Pat, wherein you know nothing. You don't know your company. You don't know your products and services. You don't know your customer. You don't even know, you don't know your technology, right? So you're just perfectly unsuited for the job. But you've got probably, well, maybe eight months to sell something or you're out of there, right? So how do you, how do you learn what to say? How do you learn to even say the right thing in front of your client? And that's, that's the challenging situation that every new salesperson has. And, and I had figured out that I needed certain types of stories and I had to get them. And Siemens sure did not provide them uh, as a sort of a default. You had to go and hunt for them. Uh, in fact, Siemens was very good at providing the 100-slide PowerPoint pack of of the technology with all of the meticulous, laborious engineering detail and none of the good stuff, none of the customer success stories and, and insight stories about the technology. So I had to go and learn those things. And then I changed industry three more times. And each time I was kind of getting the hang of these stories. And 2014, I started my own consulting company, 
and that my ambition, my, my, the challenge I set myself was to see if I could help salespeople say the right thing and, and help them with that storytelling aspect because teaching storytelling is one of the few things I have found that you can teach salespeople and they get it and they enjoy it and they don't go backwards. Most things you try and teach salespeople, they, they get worse before they get better. If you teach them some fancy questioning technique without naming any names, um, they're likely to be worse for a while because instead of listening to the customer's answer, they're thinking, now, what was that question I was supposed to ask next, you know, and uh, they actually go worse. So, but if you say, look, just practice this story now, tell it, and then ask your client something like, well, enough about me. What about, what about you, Pat? How come you're podcasting out of Chicago? How did you get there? And you're just exchanging stories. It's very natural. It's the kind of thing that we do at the barbecue or at the pub in the sporting contest. We just like to share stories, but, but we don't think of doing it in a business context. And so, you know, that's kind of how I, that's my personal story. That's how I got into teaching salespeople stories. And then I, as the engineer, I started to recognize that if you focus on who is the hero of each story type, you, you'll get the framework, you'll get the, the way to tell the different types of stories through the buying process, through the, through the buying journey. Shall, shall I tell your listeners what the seven stories are and put them out of their misery, Pat? Yes, that'd be great. Yeah, okay. So I kind of consider that there are three problems to solve in selling. The first is, how do I connect with a potential buyer? How do I connect with buyers in a way that makes them want to to trust me and consider me as an authority? And the first three stories do that for you. So the first is your personal story, and I just told a version of mine. The second is the personal story of another person in your company that your client will also need to trust and to know in the buying process. If you're a small company, that might be your CEO. But if you're a bigger company, it could be your head of technical sales or the implementation manager or the customer service manager. And that's the person that you're going to hand over to. And a lot of salespeople have a problem with handover. They, they get stuck in the implementation, you know, and they, they kind of get away from that client to go and do the job, their their real job, which is to sell the next client. Uh, And if they know these key staff stories, these key person stories, they'll position their company as a company of people that can be trusted and and who are authorities. And the third story is, is your company story. How did your company, how was it created? How did it not fail? How did it really succeed? And most salespeople can't tell that story because they haven't practiced it. Together, those three stories, or in combination, allow you to create a story exchange. They allow you to say, well, enough about us. What about you? Yeah, your personal story, story about somebody yep. within the company, and then the company's yep. story, its origin story. The origin story, that's right. It also can include your strategy story, like where are we going? The, the obvious place to put your strategy is at the end of your origin story. Here's how we started. Here's how we, here's how we nearly blew it, how we nearly failed. And here's how we figured it out, and this is where we're going. And, the and that the, story yes. And the company's the hero in this case. Yeah, that's right. Your company founder or, or yeah, the company itself is, is the central character of the story. So that's how we get to be in the conversation. Those stories help us connect. 
but now we've got to fight. You know, we're, now we've got to change our client's mind because they're happily doing their thing, right? Your client is pretty confident that they know what they're doing and they're charging along in this direction. And if you want them to, to buy your products and services, you're going to have to change them. You're going to have to change their direction. And there are two stories that do that. The first one is the is really the researcher's story or the entrepreneur's story. It's the it's the story about insight that you have in your client's business that they don't quite understand about their market or about their business. But if they did understand it, they would profit from it. I'll give you a quick example. It's an extreme example. So there were a couple of um, medical researchers in Perth, in Western Australia, in the in the early 80s, Barry Marshall and Robert Warren, and they were looking at the problem of stomach ulcers. And the prevailing wisdom was that stomach ulcers are caused by stress. And the typical prescription was take a few weeks off and the stomach ulcer will cure itself. And Barry Marshall had, a, and Warren Marshall, Robin Warren had a hypothesis that no, they're caused by a bacteria. And uh, Marshall wrote, it's actually his master's thesis. He wrote his master's thesis on this and, and no one read it. No one was interested in it. And um, in fact, the prevailing wisdom was that it was impossible for bacteria to live in the, in the acidic environment of your stomach. So anyway, he, he thought, well, I need to demonstrate this. So he, he did an endoscopy of his own stomach, prepared a potion from an in, infected patient and gave himself stomach ulcers. And then he cured himself with the particular antibacterium and wrote a paper about that. Well, that, that paper, Pat, got a lot of attention. That's a famous and, story, actually. I've, yeah, I'm aware of that story, story because he, self, he, he experimented on himself, which is like bad Correct. science. <laughs> he, well, you know, he won the Nobel Prize for I medicine, know, so I know. That, that was, <laughs> so, which is like that guy, that CRISPR guy. Who just who infected himself last year? With, That's did, right. So, and uh, he, he he survived. <laughs> but you know, that story encapsulates the problem of insight. You know, you know something. You have this burning desire to tell your client, "I know this thing," and if you just understood it, you, you'd be much better off. But but you can't just tell them the facts because your client's mind is in a different place. They think they know their business, so you have to teach them. You have to teach them with the researcher's story. So you have to start with the research environment and then you have to give them the eureka moment and then they learn. They'll learn that thing. So you've got to put it in the form of a story, the researcher's story. And every entrepreneur is in that situation. Until you have a successful client, until you have a good success story, that's all you got. You only have insight. So it's really important that and, – and every company that wants to change direction, they want to go into a new market or they want to release a new product, they've got no success. So what do they have? You've got to fall back to your insight story and tell that story and it'll be compelling. It's still a hard job. It's much harder to sell when you don't have a success story than, than when you do. That's why it takes a special person to, to really develop new business. So then we have success story. That's the fifth story in seven stories. And most people get it wrong, Pat. Most people tell the success story as the classic three-part case study. So I'm going to paraphrase the three-part case study and, and then explain why it's wrong, although it's going to be obvious why it's wrong as I tell it. The three-part marketing case study, it starts with your client in a situation. And then you march in, you ride in on a white horse 
and you fix it for them. And then you say how wonderful things are for your client. And the subtext is, aren't you, the vendor, wonderful? And you've made yourself the hero. And that is wrong. Your future client will not empathize with that story. You have to start with your successful client. So act one, scene one, is your successful client before they met you and before they had a problem. What kind of company were they? Where were they? Now they encounter their problem, their challenge. So tell us how it happened and tell us how bad it was for them. And now they meet you. Act Scene three is they meet the guide, your company. How do they meet your company? And then scene four, you give them a plan. You give them the force, you know, your Obi-Wan Kenobi with the force. You give them the plan so that they can avoid failure. Now you tell the story about how they can avoid failure. You can put in all the potential objections they might, a future client might have. How do they avoid failure? And finally, they achieve success. And that's actually six parts if you count them. Your client in their setting has a problem, meets a guide, gets a plan from you, avoids failure, achieves success. Six parts. Much more compelling because your future client can put themselves in that hero situation. The hero is your other client and they can experience what it's like to work with you. They actually experience what it's like before they buy. And it's really compelling. Yeah, I like that because it's them making that decision to choose you. It's them taking action and it's them experiencing that, that success. That's right. And when you put that action plan in, you can even tell how like they weren't even really sure they should go with you. You know, what what were the ways they could have failed and what that they might not have liked? Sure, there's lots plan. of paths they could have gone, that, right? That all go, that yeah. all goes in the story. Right. And yeah. So that's a that's a powerful story. And of course, any company that's been in business for a while should have many success stories. You want to collect them by industry type, by product type, by buyer type and have all of these different success stories and just choose the right one that will resonate with the particular buyer that you're, you're talking with, right? The last two stories, stories six and seven, they solve the final problem that a salesperson has, which is closing the deal. How do you get them to actually sign the contract? Because in the early stages of an engagement with your client, they got their mind in the future. They've got their mind in, in the future benefits of what you might do for them. But suddenly the door closes to you. Suddenly they're involved in a stakeholder meeting with people that aren't really looking at the future anymore. They're looking at risk. What will go wrong? Should we really spend our money on your company or some other thing? You know, And, and, and what, will it really work? What, what's going to happen once we engage this company? And that's where your deal can really fall over. That's that's a, a, a stressful time for salespeople, as I'm sure you've been there, Pat, right? And stories can help you. It's not obvious, but stories can help you. And the story number six is the values story. And that's the story that explains how your company will behave after the deal's signed. And I'll tell you a little example from Siemens. As if your listeners don't know, Siemens is a massive German. Huge, engin- huge company. En- Absolutely huge. Engineering yeah, company. Yeah, it's yeah. a conglomerate. conglomerate. Yeah. And, and when I joined Siemens, Pat, I couldn't figure out how they sold anything because there was no, hardly, hardly any marketing, you know, and it was, there was no sales culture. You know, we didn't have the sort of North American sales culture. And, and every time I'd get these big 
pack PowerPoint slides, it would say something like, you know, we're number five in this technology. And I'd think, well, just point, just point me to numbers one and two and I'll go and talk to them. You know, <laughs> what are you telling me that for? But, um, but then I started hearing these stories and then I started experiencing some. I was actually with our country CEO, Albert, in his office and he, he took this phone call. And after it, he said, Mike, you know, we're, we're in a pretty serious situation on one of our big projects. They were supplying the inverter transformers for a subsea electricity cable that connects Tasmania, where I grew up, with the rest, with mainland Australia. It goes 400 kilometres under the ocean. And the ship that was bringing these big transformers from um, Germany to Australia hit a storm in the Southern Ocean and broke its rudder and smashed all six of these massive inverter transformers. So they smashed beyond repair. And this incredibly large infrastructure, public infrastructure project was at risk. And the Siemens board, you know, the leaders of Siemens, they, they didn't sort of start discussing who they were going to litigate or how they were going to get their money back or who was paying. They were just into fast track mode. How do we build six transformers in record time? It, it was an 18-month build process. And they actually hit the original delivery deadline. In other words, that project went out on time. And this is compelling, Pat. That kind of story is worth a lot of margin points. And in that stakeholder meeting when someone says, you know, will they deliver, your sponsor, your person who's heard that story, their tone of voice will be like, you know, are you kidding? Are you kidding with these guys? Of course they're going to deliver. And it, it really means something. So the values, the, the values of how your company operate and the hero of that story is the leader of your company that demonstrates those values. The Siemens board, the CEO that that demonstrated the values of your company is highly compelling to close the deal. And the final story, story seven, I call it the sales manager story. Uh, the hero is the sales manager. It's, it's you sales managing your client. Because when something goes wrong in that stakeholder meeting, you're going to have to teach your client how to be a salesperson. And there's one thing that you're better at than your client is oh. it should be sell selling. Oh, so that right? they can be your – they, they got to sell. For you in, within Rex. the company, right? They gotta be these, or you – within yeah. that stakeholder meeting, within that little closed-door meeting, you know, maybe the CFO starts being a difficult character or maybe someone from another business unit starts – looking at that budget for your products and services and saying, look, it'd be much better to spend the money on this other thing, right? How do you solve that problem for your sponsor? Well, you're going to have to teach them how to sell. And I'll, I'll give you a quick example of the sort of story that, that can be used. When I was, um, I was selling a music download system, Pat, before there was an iTunes, before there was an iPod, before Steve Jobs had that idea, we were selling a system that worked over a 2G mobile phone. It wasn't very good, but you could, you, after about 30 seconds, you could start streaming a three-minute song. And as you were listening to the song, it was still furiously streaming away in the background. Right, right. And if you're, right. If you're, if you're lucky, you might hear an uninterrupted song. But anyway, I, I worked for months on this, this deal with a big media company. We had about 10 or 20 of our people over from Europe and similar number of their people. And then it got to the contract negotiation stage. So this, you picture this big, long table and there's all of our technical people and me and, and all of their business and technical people on the other side. And we're pretty good friends by this stage. We knew each other well. And this was a revenue share. The, the business model was a revenue share. 
And then in comes this new guy, their chief negotiator, an absolute soul. Can I say that on your Pat podcast, Pat? No, yeah. I'll, I'll have to beep. Sorry, you'll beep. <laughs> That's okay. But the, but the beeping will tell the story. <laughs> and this guy just pulled the whole deal apart. You know, he just demanded ridiculous quality standards. The, the revenue share wasn't a revenue share. It looked like we weren't going to get paid at all. And I, I remember just walking back totally demoralized into our office. And one of the more experienced sales guys looked at me and said, what's happened? And I said, well, this deal is not going to close. Like, it's impossible. And he said, Mike, why don't you just ring that guy up and go and have a chat? And I hadn't even thought, I hadn't even thought of the possibility. I thought, yeah, okay. So I did, and I went and spent two hours in his office, and I realized he didn't understand the deal at all. And then we went back into the deal, and he didn't change his personality one bit. He was the absolute same obnoxious character, but he just carefully skirted all of the non-negotiable aspects. And a couple of meetings later, we got the deal agreed and done. And that was the first one in Australia. That was the first music download uh, platform. And the deal was done. And that's the kind of story that experienced sales managers and experienced salespeople can teach their clients to get around these decision hurdles, to, to get the deal across the line in those closed-door meetings. And that's story number seven. So I'll just recap the, the main characters of each story to help your listeners remember. So personal story is, is the story about why you do what you do and what you bring as an authority to your client, and the character is yourself. The key staff story is, and this is a story where you can really pump up the other person. It's the story of, of important people in your organization that your buyer will meet and needs to trust. And then your company story, the hero is your company, why your company does what it does, how it succeeded, how it didn't fail. And then insight stories, the researcher story, the story that, that can teach your client insight that they need to understand about their market that you bring to them. Success stories, the stories of your successful clients told from the perspective of your successful client. And then value stories, the story of your leader demonstrating the values of your organization. It may not be deliveries. Uh, you know, the hospitality story about the bellboy that that took the, the lost passport to the airport to give back to the guest who'd forgotten his passport. That's a story of honesty and values. And the bellboy was being a leader in that situation. They were, they were demonstrating the values of their company, of the hotel in that example. And then finally, the teaching story where you're teaching your sponsor how to sell, how to sell in that stakeholder meeting to get the deal across the line. And that's a very important story for big deals because these, these play out over a period of time and you really need to help your sponsor. What you're recommending salespeople is that they need to like look inside of themselves. They need to look inside their companies and see and prepare these stories ahead of time. Get a good sense of what they are, practice them, and then use them when it's appropriate. That's right. And that's what the book is, Pat. The book is a, is a reference manual to do ah, that. You okay. Know. Gotcha, now, gotcha, most, gotcha. now, most people don't, don't read a book from start to finish. But if, but if you think of like, if salespeople think of the problem, you know, I'm, I'm in an entrepreneurial situation. I don't have a success story. I remember Mike saying I need an insight story. Let's get the book out and read the instructions on how to put together an insight story, practice it, and deliver it. And for sales leaders, 
think in terms of story library. If you want to really help your salespeople and get them up and running faster, then collect these stories and put them in a story library because this is exactly what a new salesperson needs to hear. They need to hear those stories so that they can tell them to their clients. And that's a fast track. That's a real clue to to learning how to sell in a new in a new environment. Mike, how can people find you online? They they I'm pretty sure your listeners know how to do this, Pat. They're gonna write Mike Adams seven stories in their Google browser and they will be confronted with a, a huge array of possibilities, including including the book and some online training that's free and a whole bunch of newspaper articles on storytelling. They'll see everything right there. <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's just say that they're bad at Google. I'm going to make sure and place these links in the show notes anyway. Good on you. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah. Mike, thanks for visiting us here on Sales Babble. I really appreciate it. Um, that's been a ball. Thanks for having me on, Pat. And uh, I hope to share stories with some of your listeners. That would be a treat. To connect with Mike, you can find him and the links to his book, Seven Stories Every Salesperson Must Tell, in the show notes at www.salesbabble.com. And while you're there, why don't you look up the back catalog? Every episode we've ever done is, is easily findable on there. All kinds of categories. Lead generation and prospecting and cold calling and closing. All that stuff is in there. Let's keep the conversation going and listen to another episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends. That is how we grow the podcast. That's all I got for today. Until next week, take care and have a highly successful and profitable selling day. Thank you for listening to the Sales Babble podcast. Find us at www.salesbabble.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.